Okay, guys, we are officially recording. So as you know here on Got Your Back, anything you say from here on out can and likely will be used against you in some way, shape, or oh, form. Can you, so. Hey, Rashad, can you wait? I just got to go get my, my awards and put them in the background. Just just give me two seconds, okay? Wow. wow. <laughs> nice little... Nice little flex that, there, Ryan. That is a hard <laughs> trip for a newbie on the pod, Pierre. Immediate was, vote. I like, was, uh, I like the framing. Good. It's like perfectly there, like perfectly placed to uh, make sure everyone kind of sees it. Yeah. Uh, that was Dregger-esque. And you have to understand, uh, Dregs likes to chirp oh. uh, Ryan all the time. So It's like Uncle You're Darren wasn't right here for the day. I thought I was going like, to be, people were going to be nice to me, but I it's guess It's like the first not. thing I saw is the Rashad flex in the background. That's what, it's the first thing that jumped out. Welcome to Got Your Back, Arpin Basu. Hello, folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashad. Man, do we have a doozy of a podcast lined up for you today. So not only do we have Montreal Canadiens superstar young forward Cole Caulfield, what a night last night, but we also have two of the athletics' finest. Of course, my co-host here on Got Your Back is Pierre LeBron, oh, but also yeah, sure. <laughs> covering the Montreal Canadiens for the athletic Arpin Basu. I'm doing the intro, Pierre. People can't see you yet. Stay quiet. Okay. Okay. I uh, got your back. NHL edition brought to you by Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals. They supply uh, rentals and equipment to the Canadian construction industry. But what sets them apart is their getter done attitude. It's a core value of their company. I've been to their head office a bunch. It's actually on the wall at their head office. These people really do live by this core tenant. They'll bend over backwards to get their clients what they need. No excuses. Cross Country Canada takes great pride in that attitude. And the nice thing about having sponsorship is you get the odd piece of swag. So I got the old Cross Country Canada hoodie Ooh, going today. Nice. There, I will have to send one your way. Arpin, you will not be getting one because you have not been nice to me so far today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, but really by, happy by to way, have by, you. By the, way, yeah, yeah. by the way, good thing that last week I had my Montreal Expos hoodie on. Thank goodness we didn't wear it the same day here, Arpin and I. That you know what? I mean, I, I, wore this, I wore this on purpose because of how often you wear the loudest Montreal Expos hoodies you can find. I mean, literally yeah. a beaming billboard of Montreal Expos pride, which I love. Yeah. But yeah, I, I decided I dressed up specially for the pod in my Expos gear. Like just for this. Like the Hartford Whalers logo behind me. I'm all about teams that don't exist, which maybe tells you something about me. Other than the one team that crushes my heart. Every okay. year yeah. in the playoffs. By the way, Arpin, we were doing a podcast earlier this week. So we all know what a huge Cowboys fan Pierre is. And Dregs oh, really? And I had no I, idea. Yeah, yeah, no idea. Dregs and Johnny and I were on with them. And so, Pierre, they've got this – it's playoff time, right? Like, it's it's this is the time of year you get excited. Pierre reveals to us that his viewing habits as a fan for this game, he will lock himself in his office. He will close the door. Nobody will be around him. He wants no parties. Yeah. He wants no friends. He wants no nothing. He will stare at his television, and he will sweat – and that's his version of being a playoff fan. Yeah, now, because he's he's psychotic. I know, <laughs> right. I know. Yes, now there's right. Pierre. There has been a development. Yeah. So what? Explain the development I, quickly uh, here, Pierre. I broke this story on Overdrive last night, but uh, after telling all this to Ryan and and the boys the day before, uh, a pal of mine called me yesterday and said, "I've got fifty yard, fifty yard line tickets, Bucks." Cowboys, are you in? Ooh! I am going to Tampa Monday wow. morning. Wow! You're going I'm, so uh, begrudgingly. Oh Look at you. my God! Fans would be so I'm happy, Pierre. Uh, I'm going to be surrounded by Bucks season ticket holders, <laughs> and I just said to myself, you know what? I I, I don't seem to have a lot of luck uh, watching a game by myself uh, at my house every year because they lose. Don't all the seem. Time. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to be there in the flesh, and and to be honest, in all seriousness. Win or lose to see uh, Tom Brady, and who knows what Tom Brady's future is like uh, is is kind of neat. So there you go. Yeah, no you're kidding. gonna watch him throw the ball 55 times is what you're gonna see. <laughs> well, I, really, I, yeah, I, I don't think they run the ball much in Tampa, so there is no. that. Yeah. Oh man! Oh, well, that's poor amazing. you, Pierre. Poor you that's has amazing. to go sit on the 50th yard line <laughs> and 50 yard line of your favorite team. And you're so nervous. You're it. nervous just thinking about. No, he's just he's no, racked with nerves. He's racked with nerves. I dreamt right about now. it last night. I had a dream about what it'd be like. I'm 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 gonna be a mess by Monday. Did you really have a dream about it last night? For real? I did. Yeah. 
Uh, Pierre, do you want to walk Dude, us through it? Was it weird? You, you, need, wearing you clothes? need to like what was you happening? need to talk to someone, Pierre. There are professionals available <laughs> who can help with your condition. Oh, you him. need to talk to someone, please. You yeah. can talk to me if you want. We can have we can have sessions. You need All help, right. man. As long as it involves ball of red wine, we should do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've we have lots of sessions. Playoffs, <laughs> yeah, we'll have tons of time with them in the playoffs <laughs> and lots of red wine. Okay, guys, lots happening in the National Hockey League last night. Plus, oh, did we mention we got Cole Caulfield we got to get to in a couple of minutes. So let's get to the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. You know, uh, listen, the drive towards the playoffs is on. So if you have a favorite team, a favorite player, Pro Hockey Life is a place to go to get the sweater, you know, get it customized. They got all sorts of other team swag. They got hats, shirts, and all kinds of other stuff. So if you're a big fan and the playoff push is on, go to Pro Hockey Life to get yourself outfitted. Hopefully your viewing habits of your favorite team are a little healthier than those of Pierre Lebrun. And Pro Hockey Life is the place for the massive fan to get themselves into that fandom mode. Like you, like us, Pro Hockey Life is obsessed with the game. Okay, we'll get to uh, the the spectacle in Montreal last night because we're going to get to our Cole Caulfield interview as well. But we got to go around the horn a little bit in some happenings. Gentlemen, the Seattle Kraken, I present to you second-year NHL team. So let's run through what they did last night. They put an end to the Boston Bruins' 22-game point streak on home ice. 19-0-3 they were in that time. They shut out the Bruins for the first time this season. They ended the Bruins' 14-game point streak, and it's the Bruins' first home loss in regulation. They were 26-0-3. So in 29 games, they've now won 6-7 on their road trip. This is a second-year franchise, Arpin. Like, what impresses you most about the way these guys are going about their business? Well, they just came through Montreal and I got to say like, you know, I you watch that team defend, like they don't defend. They defend with an offensive purpose. They do not wait for you to come to them. They come to you. They're an incredibly aggressive, incredibly fast, hard-nosed team that just does not allow you time to make decisions, does not allow you to to set up. It's it's really sort of a helter-skelter, well-coached, disciplined team in the way that they attack you as soon as you have the puck. And so that's what really jumped out to me because, you you know, I've been listening to a coach here in Montreal talk about, you know, you defend as soon as you lose the puck. As soon as you lose the puck, you have to get it back. You have to be on top of opponents. A lot of the things Martin St. Louis tells the Canadians is exactly what the Seattle crack can do so effectively. And, and really there's, there's such a, there's so little drop off from line to line. Matty Beneers, what he's doing is extraordinary, <laughs> obviously, but like it just goes one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and looks more or less the same. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a weak link model, if you will. You know, there is no real weak link up front. They have big defense that makes it really difficult on opponents. And I just find, you know, I found them to be a really well-coached, disciplined yeah. team and the way Man, they do Pierre, this. Pierre, going into Boston and doing that against uh, that team, like, whoa. That's a, that's a statement win for your franchise. And it's funny. It reminded me of the conversation I had years ago with a GM who I think I was around the McDavid lottery. And we were talking about the difference between whether you get a generational player or not and how you build your team in a cap world and so on. And he made a comment that I'll never forget because it's, it's, it's stuck with me and it reminds me of Seattle right now. And he said, if I can't get that type of player, which is a, a pretty good chance I can't, what really I'd love to do is have a black a blank canvas and build a team of second and third line players who none of them make first line money and just have depth trump over being top heavy. And I, and I, and I think about that a lot in terms of how different teams are built. And obviously you'd rather have McDavid, but when you look at Seattle, Arvin just talked about it. Now I think Benier is going to end up being a guy you're going to have to pay and, and is going to be special, but oh yeah, but right now, first line in, money. <laughs> but right now, in the moment, both cap wise and uh, you know, they're they're they're, a, they're actually an experienced team outside of him. They're an experienced team without a superstar um, that doesn't have a glaring hole, but also doesn't wow you at, at any point either. And it's an interesting build compared to a lot, the way a lot of teams are built. When you look at the Oilers or the Leafs and so on, a lot of the top heavy superstar teams, and it just goes goes to show you that there is there isn't just one pathway to success in a cap system, there are different ways. And, and this is yeah. the way it's worked for Seattle, probably out of necessity, of course, as an expansion team. 
third in the league uh, in goals for per game. They're scoring 3.6 goals for, and they're scoring an absolute pile on this road trip. They were through Edmonton. It was game one of the road trip, and we were talking to a few of the guys, chatting with Everly about the grind that was about to happen. And man, if I had told them that this would be their record so far in the trip, yeah. uh, it really has been something else. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, guys, the defending Stanley Cup boy, champions. Boy. We know that they've had injury troubles, right? We get that, and I think everybody allows for that. But I don't think that accounts for what's going on because they had some core players in the lineup last night. By the way, the Chicago Blackhawks did not have Patrick Kane. They drop one to the lowly Chicago Blackhawks. They've lost seven of eight, and uh, they've scored two goals or less in four of their last six and are sitting out of the playoffs. So, Pierre, this isn't just about injuries and such to me. Well, Blackhawks coach Luke Richardson might get fired for winning that game. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everyone. <laughs> he didn't get I'm the kidding. memo. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, he gets, no, it, it, you he know, gets our, a bonus for every loss. Yeah. <laughs> Dolphins, not, Dolphins style. Uh, not to make this all about the athletic, but our Avs beat writer Peter Bow called it, you know, the rock bottom moment so far of the, of the year, and he covers the team in his column overnight. And, um, you know, it certainly feels like it watching from afar because they're actually starting to get some bodies back. They're still banged up, but they got McKinnon back. And, um, you know, at some point it's not just that it's a great team that shouldn't be where they are in the standings, of course, despite all the injuries. But I think the psychology of it, when you're defending your Stanley cup championship adds another layer of tension. I I know it does because I've seen it with other other teams that the idea that, you know, could you do something embarrassing like miss the playoffs after winning the cup? I don't think they will. I think they're going to find their way out of this. And I think the West invites itself in a pretty competitive, but still winnable race to get back in there. Uh, But they're in a hole. And um, you know, I I think the interesting thing to me is do you try to trade to help your team get in or do you actually wait for your team to get in before you decide to trade? If you're Chris McFarland, the GM Um, and that's an age old for a GM in a bubble. Yeah, I think this is a something that's worth just kind of remembering. You know, you mentioned defending Stanley Cup champs. I remember last season, I had a conversation with John Cooper sometime in March in Tampa, and he was just kind of like, uh, you know, what happened with these guys? We're talking about the Canadians, obviously. And I was like, well, listen, honestly, like they just did not recover from the, right. the playoffs. They didn't have time. So they, at the beginning of the season, they were dead. I was like, you guys didn't seem to have that problem. He's like, oh, we did. It just didn't come at the beginning of the season. It came in February for us or January. It was it was sometime around now, actually. Right. They had a big so slump. Yeah. Yeah. They had a big slump. And he was like, you know, it, it caught up to us. So I think every team handles that differently. With all the injuries that the Avalanche were dealing with, they also you add this layer to it. I think there's something to that. And that's why I, I'm convinced they will figure it out. They'll come. Like, you have to learn how to be a contender. And I think... That's what they're going through right now. And, and, and uh, you know, we knew that losing Nazem Kadri was going to be a huge hole. I mean, I quoted Chris McFarlane for the year saying, let's not sugarcoat it. You know, it's going to be a huge hole for us to overcome. And they haven't. They, they've not overcome Kadri's loss in that top six. But I think the under-the-radar loss, and I'm guilty of this, I, I didn't realize he was this good a player, quite frankly, was Andre Burakovsky with the said mm. Kraken we just talked about. And... Yeah. And I think that he provided that certain layer of, of support for Colorado that went unnoticed because of all the because of all the offense they had there last year. So, you know, those are two I think it, losses. I think it also speaks to the value of Gabriel Landeskog. Like honestly, like he, right. he flies he flies under the radar in the like the stratosphere of stars on that team, but he strikes me as just a guy who kind of makes it all right. work. You know, I mean, I yeah. played all year. For sure. And looking at Burakovsky, I mean, he's he's on pace to match the 22 goals that he had last season with Colorado. Uh, he's already got 24 assists, though, so he's looking like he may eclipse his point total, but really valuable player. I mean, the Avalanche, with all that firepower, and again, it's been in and out of the lineup for sure. Uh, right now, they're sitting 25th in goals per game. They're scoring 2.8. Last season, you guys, they were fourth, 4.1. So they're over a goal a game different. I mean, that's... That's gonna kill you. You drop you know, an entire goal out per month. game out. Yeah, for yeah. sure. There's there's yeah, reasons why. I think missed twenty five games. Like there's, yeah. I mean, there's some obvious reasons there. Yeah. So I if, mean, yeah. Go ahead, Arpin. Well, just to go back to Pierre's original point, like you, do they do they make a move to fix it, or do they fix it and then make a move? You know, losing Kadri and losing that that layer of insulation that you have for your top guys, 
Um, I'm of the mind that when you have a group like this, you make the move first. You you yeah. you fix it, and then because you can't take the chance of missing the playoffs with this group, and, like you can't waste a year. We're take pointing it. out they, yep. they don't have their second, third, or fourth. They traded all of them last year, and, and good thing they did. I mean, it got them our Terry Luckin and Josh Manson among other assets that helped them win the cup. But they don't have a second, third, or fourth in this year's draft. Mm-hmm. They do have their first. Arp and take everything you just said. Apply it to the Edmonton Oilers too. Hey, like when you oh. have that group, you oh. don't wait. <clears throat> well. The Edmonton Oilers are the poster child of, of wasting a group. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Final four last to... year. Final four last year, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's but true. But the I mean, expectation's they... higher, right? And it shouldn't shouldn't have been their first trip to the final four. I mean, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest. And so, yeah, I think they have, you know, they have one or two things they might want to address. Hey, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep, Sean D. I don't even want to open up the Joel Edmondson conversation here with you oh because God. we've, we've done this already done. and it'll... Yeah. yeah, I got chased off of Twitter after that when I was talking about Edmondson. Uh, so if the Chicago Blackhawks did not get the memo about, uh, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets certainly did. They've lost 12 of their last 14. They're in last place. Like when Johnny Gaudreau signed on the dotted line, I can imagine he probably did not envision this mess. But they're in prime position for Connor Bedard here. So, Pierre, I suppose you just go hands off and let her, let her buck. You know, like Ron Burgundy told his dog after his dog and anchorman ate an entire wheel of cheese in his fridge. I'm not even angry. I'm impressed. Something <laughs> uh, like that. Uh, and, and, you know, Yarmo Kekalainen, I remember quoting him last year. He's actually an anti-tanking guy. He really worries about uh, what it does to your team culture and the psyche. He's never been a guy that believes in tanking, but I think – What's apparent here, I mean, they lose Zakarensky for the year. All these things have piled up. They had holes to begin with on that blue line. Um, it's like, let's not go out of the way to make it happen, but let's not go out of the way to not make it happen. It's sort of what's happening. It's sort of like, we're not going to make moves to improve this lineup. We're going to let this hit, hit, you know, hit the, hit, let this ship hit the shore on its own, and we'll deal with the wreck later. And that's what you should do at this point. And you're talking about a player at the top of this draft. Uh, that is generational from all accounts, from what we've watched and what we know from people who study the draft and, and also the guys behind him. I mean, that's what Arpin, I'm sure, talk, looks at a lot for Montreal is that who have two picks in the first round is that, you know, the odds of getting Bedard are not that great no matter who you are. But then if you're within the top five or six, you're getting a pretty special player anyway. The other thing is that there's a difference between tanking and organically losing. You know, they're two different things. Like if your organization decides like what the Blackhawks did, like we are going to be bad. We're going to trade away good, good young players, Kirby Doc, Alex Dabrinkit. I mean, this, these are guys that they did not have to get rid of. They did it with the purpose of being what they are right now. Columbus didn't do that. No, Columbus went out and improved their team. (laughs) So they added big time. They put the, the jewel of the free agent class. So you're sending, a message to your players, look, we're trying to get better. Now, if you happen to be not good, we'll be okay with that. But <clears throat> that's not a tank. You know, I think what Chicago right. did sends a bad message to your room. What Columbus did sends the opposite message. And if you get to have that cake and eat it too with like a number one overall pick, well, then you're laughing, right? But I the mean, thing is, is that with Chicago, they showed up and everybody knew what was what. Everybody knew what was what. The problem with what's happened in Columbus is at some point, Yarmo Kekalainen sitting in his owner's office saying, hey, here's, here's the guy I think we should invest in. Here's the Monday 9 million, this and that. And this is what mm-hmm. I think we can do this year, right? So you paint this picture and now you turn around and it's like, okay, well, yeah. we're not quite there, but guess <laughs> what? Connor Bedard. Ryan, my understanding is, though, I don't think Yarmo Kekalainen sold anything more than what he thought his team really was to ownership, which I think which was, was what? Maybe, maybe we're a bubble team. Okay. Like they, they knew going in that they still had holes on defense. Uh, they weren't 100% sure, I don't think, of their goaltending still. I, I don't. Signing Johnny Goudreau wasn't about the 22 23 season. It was certainly about adding another piece and right. let's see how this. They've got players coming in the pipeline. This wasn't a one year fix for them. But what do you think their and message was even, at the start of the year, though? What was their messaging their to the team and to right. the. It's like, hey, guys. The Chicago no, Blackhawks are sitting there. They're sitting yeah, there yeah. saying everyone's yeah. counting us out, but guys, let's be scrappy and let's hang in there. The Blue yeah, Jackets started the year 
wanting yeah. to get to the playoffs. And, want, and that's different when you sit where you are now yeah. and you started with those expectations. But this also speaks to how, you know, I mean, Ryan, you would know this obviously in Edmonton. Last year when you looked at the Flames in the playoffs, like you can do everything you want as a GM and plan for every eventuality. The one thing you cannot plan for is if your goalie that you thought was good is suddenly really bad. Yep. All, you know, like the all the chips, like everything that you have planned is out the window. Like who would have imagined Jacob Markstrom putting together a playoffs like you did last year? Like, I mean, if you're if you're Brad Living, you're like, look, I've done everything I can to make this team competitive. All of a sudden, my Vesna caliber goalie sucks. <laughs> what am I? What do you? How do you plan for that? So, <laughs> I think I think Yarmo Kekalainen could have had a reasonable expectation that his goaltending would be at least average or competent, which it hasn't been. And so you can't. There's nothing you could really do about that um, as a general manager. You can't plan for that. I, I actually think Ryan post trade deadline. When there's some, you know, days in March where it's just about the playoff chase, we should do an entire podcast, get a couple of goalie experts on, and and I mean, I've written a, a what bit. What the about heck this. happened? No, yeah. but just in general around the league, yeah. you know, the three of us have been around around this the same vintage here, you know, twenty five plus years, all three of us. I've never seen NHL front offices more uncertain about gauging value and gauging talent in that position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's. I don't know what's happening. And again, I, I think you have to talk about people that day in and day out study goaltending. But I don't know when the next goalie is getting paid other than a, a very short list of guys that are obvious. Like, mm-hmm. like I mean, I think people look at Jack Campbell this year and GMs, I think, look at Jack Campbell this year. And like, I'm not doing that. Like that, I'm not going to get stuck into that contract and have that happen to me. So, or, or certainly not Sergei Bobrovsky. I think those uh, days are done. For <clears> well, yeah, forget that. But I mean, even yeah. Jack, like Jack Campbell, is not outrageously paid. The five million dollar goalie. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Un, but you look at the way he's performing. That's a problem. And yeah. I think I think GMs look around like that contract and the Kemper contract, neither of which are outrageous. I think a lot of GMs are going to think twice before. Well, more than anything, pending term to a goalie. You know? Well, more mm-hmm. than anything, too, it's about throwing all your eggs in one basket, right? Like these are all indications because Jack Campbell might well play some good hockey for the Oilers this year as games rounding into mm-hmm. form here. But you need space for two of them. You need to give yourself two kicks at the yeah. can that yeah. maybe one of your two guys will have the year that lines up with your team's expectations. All right, great stuff, guys. Uh, that was the breakdown brought to you by Pro Hockey Life. Arpin, you were uh, at the game last night. Pretty cool little scene there with P.K. Mm-hmm. Subban. Uh, you know, it was the perfect game to do it. Uh, what did you make of P.K.'s presence, what he did with his time? Carey Price shows up. It was a, seemed like a good spectacle like the Habs it was, normally make. It was, it was good. And what, what was abnormal about it is that the Canadians usually – you know, you have to kiss the ring before you get a night like that at, at the Bell Center. Like this is a this is a very different. This is a big departure from how the Canadians usually are. Look how long it took for Patrick Waugh to be welcomed back. Even Gila Point, it took a while. You know, I mean, there's all these little fractured relationships, and PK's relationship with the Canadians was fractured. Let's not let's not sugarcoat it. Uh, if you know, if not completely obliterated. So this was like a really nice olive branch. PK mentioned uh, how you know he got the call from Jeff Molson shortly after he announced his retirement to make this happen um you know him and Jeff Molson were not on the best terms when he left the team you know it was not a very it was not a a very fuzzy relationship so but the whole night the way it came together and especially the Carey Price part um which kind of epitomized a lot of what like what went wrong with PK you know that whole triple low five thing became its own thing it became something that Michelle Therrien hated because it like put them apart from the team that's what the narrative that kind of followed PK's whole time here. And so for that to do that at the end, just kind of showed, you know, maybe hopefully things are changing that you can embrace something like that, celebrate it instead of kind of look down your nose at it and say, that's not a hockey way of doing things. It was fun. And that night was fun, you know, and I think hockey should be about fun more often than it is about being humble and serious and everything. It's the end of the world and all this stuff. So so to me, that was, that's what that night was about is that, you know, some nights it's just, let's just have fun. This is a guy that a lot of the fans loved, no matter what was going on behind the scenes or whatever, he was adored by this fan base. Let's give those fans a chance to celebrate him and let's bring him back and, and sort of let bygones be bygones. And I thought it was great. 
I'll, I'll, for me, when I think of P.K. Subban in Montreal, Arpin, uh, I'll, I'll just think of his performance in those playoffs in 2014, I guess it was. Yeah, absolutely. The Eastern Conference Final. And basically a one-man show against the Boston Bruins just got in their heads. And oh. uh, scoring the breakaway goal, I mean, that was just – that was the apex, I think, of uh, what was a special time for here. And with, with ups and downs, for sure. I mean, that's that's – that's all part of the story, but man, his performance in those playoffs was just unreal. I, like I can't the, wait. I can't wait to take that all away from them. That's that's <laughs> that's that series. I can't yeah, wait yeah. to take that all away from them. The greatest quote I've ever I've ever been a witness to in my career. Well, the that's next greatest awesome. quote is probably from Milan Lucic in the handshake line, but you know. Yes, exactly. But well, we never got the official version of that. Best but, yeah. best quote I've ever gotten, Arpin. And you guys got to prepare your brains for this one. And I'm not going to say who it's from because it's not the most complimentary. <laughs> How about this mind bender? What's in the past is in the past. What happens in the future is water under the bridge. <laughs> that's, that's the most hockey player thing I've ever, oh, I think I've ever heard. Yeah. I'm not saying who, and I will not accept yeah. guesses. That's yeah, fair. That yeah. was, that was an Josh, Josh, Anderson, Josh no. Anderson the other day said, uh, you hit the nail right on the coffin. <laughs> Jason Strudwick on my local podcast said uh, talked about uh, Zach Hyman getting hit and being angry and then got up and he was out for a he meant to say a pound of flesh and instead he said a pint of blood <laughs> which is he went into vampire mode we're not yeah, anyway. we're, we're not we're not rocket scientists anymore. no we are not <laughs> we're not rocket surgeons as uh that same person who gave me that other quote <laughs> off and says all right listen we're this is getting way off the rails we got to get uh to who's got your back uh brought to you by liberty smart security it's a company that specializes in having your back high quality advanced smart security systems for your home or your business liberty smart security uses leading edge technology to protect the things that you value the most your home is your castle protect it with liberty smart security visit libertysecurity.ca cole caulfield is our guest on the podcast and we have to go full disclosure here we did not interview him at 6 a.m. the morning after that game last night. We interviewed him the day before yesterday. So uh, some of our statistics are a day and a half old. Um, but uh, he had a great performance in that game last night. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But Arpin, give, give me your perception on Cole Caulfield's overall game and what he's returned with this year. Hey, swagger. You know, that's that's what I kind of I like that he scored in that game because that's what that's what Subban brought to the table. He, he had a certain swagger to him and and Cole Caulfield, the confidence he's playing the game with, uh his ability to impact the game on a team that's that that has trouble scoring goals, he doesn't. You know, that was his, you know, 24th and 25th of the season last night. Um he continues bringing that confident swagger about him. And, and that's something that this team needs more of. And, and this league needs more of, you know, and he's proven doubters wrong his whole life. You know, he's, he's never been a big guy. He's always been the way the guy you see at the USNTDP was always like, Oh, well, that's a product of Jack Hughes. I mean, there's a reason he slipped to 15. It's not only his size, but a lot of people wondered, how's he going to be away from Jack Hughes? And, you know, he's proven it. Time and again, the guy just knows how to score goals, and he knows it. And the the way he carries himself is is what I find is his best quality. Like you can think whatever you want. I know I can put a puck in a net, oh, and yeah. I can do it better than well, any. I could, I could do it better than Pierre. You. Did you hear his post game last night, Pierre? Did you hear his post game last night? So if people haven't heard this yet, uh, here's Cole Caulfield. He was asked last night in the scrum. Arpin, you might have been in this scrum. He was I asked was last night if goal number 25 was important to him. Is 25 important at all for you? Was it hard to get at some point? 26 is. 26 is. <laughs> what about 40? <laughs> we'll get there when we're at 39. What about 40? We'll get there when we're at 39, Pierre. Yeah. I mean, love the swagger, and he showed lots of it in our interview too. Yeah, and I love this generation of player, you know, Trevor Zegers, Jack Hughes, all these guys. You know, I go back to the first game of the World Juniors this year and Canada tries a Michigan twice in the first 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I mean, Dylan Gunther I mean, had the great and, and, quote, we're not going to Michigan our way to a gold medal here. No, but, but I mean, still, like my kids yeah. who are totally into the World Juniors, uh, really for the first time, I've never seen them this engaged like they were, and maybe it's just the age they're at. But 
that got them out of their seats. And, and when you watch Cole Caulfield every night, he's part of that generation of player that that I think the DNA is not only am I going to score goals, I'm going to entertain the hell out of you. And that doesn't mean he's not a competitor and doesn't win a, want to win a Stanley Cup, but I think it means you can maybe do both throughout your career. And as, by the way, Alex Ovechkin probably has shown, um, you know, in terms of the kind of criticism he took as a young player in this league. And don't celebrate that way, blah, 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 all the stuff that Ovechkin had to go through. And I think it really paved the way for this generation of player to be the heck they are and not hide who they are. And Cole, Cole Caulfield, to me, reminds me of that. But one thing, I'm sure that with you guys, he was loose and, and, and funny. And, you know, I don't, I, I don't know how that conversation went. I'm sure it was great. But it's funny. I've never – like a bigger disparity between a guy on a practice day and a guy on a game day, Cole Caulfield – is 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 an all-timer for that i mean that answer that yeah. you just heard yes he's being like deadpan but he's dead serious like he's oh, yeah. after a game even like last night like i asked him at the end of his scrum i was like when's the last time you got as many looks as you got tonight he thought back to it he's like probably florida last game of last season and if anyone you know most of your listeners probably don't know but florida basically dressed half their lineup they were getting ready for the playoffs yeah. they were playing Very the last place overall last team yeah. Carey Price's last game, the Canadians like just stomped him. Like it was not even a contest. So I go, oh, but that doesn't really count. Like that was a weird game, you know? And it's he's like, it was game 82. I counted it. Like dead yeah. serious. <laughs> like not going there at all. Like, no, I count it. It was game he, 82. He, he, was, uh, he was pretty uh, <laughs> easy going in our interview here. And yeah. The one oh, thing you is, catch him on a practice day and he's like, oh, well, yeah. You know? and, and the one thing is, Ryan did stump him, though, because Ryan asked him when, if he could remember the last penalty he took in an NHL game. And uh, he got stumped on that. Long, Ooh. long time ago. We talked about that early. So, a couple things. Again, we interviewed him a couple of days ago. So, at that time, he was at 23 goals. Also, he talks about a bet he had with uh, Christian Dvorak because neither of them had any penalty minutes. Well, Dvorak had two, but they didn't count it because it was a – what was it, Pierre? He said they didn't oh. – for some reason, they didn't count it. So he's yeah. got a bet oh, with Christian Dvorak. I, I think because they're off. Yeah, coincidentals. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so he count. talks about a bet he has with Christian Dvorak about who's going to take the next penalty. Well, then last <laughs> night, Christian Dvorak took a penalty. So the bet <laughs> yeah. you hear him talk about, he won the bet. And whatever it is, Cole Caulfield is cashed in. We yeah, have tons of fun with him. Yeah. yeah, we had tons of fun with him. Oh, Arpin, I'm going to check on that. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, you've got a podcast too. Uh, what's it called? Where can people find it? It's called the Spog Athletic or the Athletic Support. It's a bilingual podcast to do with my partner, Mark Antoine Godin. You can find it on the Athletic app or on Apple or on Spotify or your favorite podcasting platform. Just look up uh, Athletic Support or Supal Athletic and uh, and you will find it. It's a twice a week podcast on everything Montreal Canadiens. I feel like if I Google Athletic Support, that's not what I'm going to find. Well, that's we needed a bilingual <laughs> name. We needed a bilingual name. So I love you it. Know, I throw, a bass, it, throw a basu in there and you'll find it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you chirp my awards. You have. By the way, you keep yeah, performing like this. You'll have some awards to put up behind you. <laughs> there too, my oh, uh, I got them. They're just in a closet. I just don't put them behind <laughs> me and right in my frame, you know? Oh, that's, that's so good. That's I just totally ate that. Oh, yeah. No, I have them, Rye. I just don't display yeah. them. Love it. Right. Arpin, thank you so much for this, my friend. We look forward to chatting again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. All right. That is Arpin Basu and presented by Liberty Smart Security, our conversation with Montreal Canadiens forward Cole Caulfield. So in 41 games this season, Cole Caulfield has already equaled his uh, career high in goals with 23. Uh, Cole, but the one that impresses me, I don't know if you know this or not. Do you know that it has been 53 games that you have played without taking a penalty? I don't know if I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's been 53 games. Like, what what is your relationship with the referees in this league like? Are you just super nice? Oh, you, you're gonna jinx them now. <laughs> yeah, actually, I didn't know the exact number, but uh, Christian Dvorak on our team, um, him and I don't have a penalty this year, so we kind of just are going off that. And uh, we've been trying to decide a bet on who's gonna get the first one, but. Uh, yeah, we got to figure that out pretty soon because, yeah, I think one's coming soon. <laughs> okay, hang on a second. So you would bet – so if he takes the penalty, he wins or loses the bet? Like what's he'd the lose, – He'd lose the bet. He'd lose if the he bet. takes one. So you're trying yeah. not to. Yeah, yeah so we decided a fighting. <laughs> fighting doesn't count. It's a wash. You can do that. 
<laughs> but but uh, just a minor. He uh, he actually got one, but it, uh, they took both guys, so we kind of watched that one too. Um, I've uh, served I've served a couple too many men on the ice uh, calls this year, but that uh, does those, not count. Those don't that count. Does not so, count. So we yeah, still no have chance. zero. Do you know the last one you took? We dug deep here, but we we dug deep. Fifty three games ago. Um, honestly, no. Mm. April fifth, twenty twenty two, interference against Matthew Joseph. You goon. Oh yeah, watch that call. It's the worst call I've seen. Of course it is. <laughs> it's not. Of course it is, Cole. Says oh, every player sides. ever. Oh, it's nuts. I was trying to stay on sides. I remember that now. Yeah. Speaking of friendly bets, by the way, between teammates, uh, we just got out of the World Junior Tournament and uh, on TSN. So I got to ask you this, Cole. You're not starting with this, Pierre. No, 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 no. I just way to tank the interview, right? I, 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 no, I, I, I love the back and forth between U.S. and Canadian teammates. Uh, We had a story from Trevor Zegers at one of our podcasts this year, Ryan, where he had to fly home with some of the Canadian World Junior guys on the same plane. Because that was during COVID, and he and he had Trevor had his gold medal around his neck, and and the Canadian guys had their silver from the Kings and the Ducks. But I'm sure there was a friendly little wager, whether it's with Nick Suzuki or someone else, in the Habs dressing room. So you can fill us in on that. Yeah, I mean, I had I had one with Nick, one with Kirby, and then um, one with one of our trainers. Uh, he used to work for Team Canada a bunch, so I uh, went over three on those. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it's gonna cost me, but I'm uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to wear a jersey or anything to practice like uh, Bernie or uh, Trevor wore the game too. So I'll take that over wearing something any day. Kyler Yamamoto, I cover the orders here in Edmonton, and Kyler Yamamoto. We were in there the day after, and we're doing interviews with players. And Harry, the trainer, is like, "Everybody, Kyler Yamamoto will be doing media today." <laughs> And Yamamoto comes walking out of the back with a Team Canada sweater on and his head down. And he stood there and we all scrummed around him and started firing some darts at him. And uh, I didn't know how far to take it, right? Because I'm like, this is a joke, but I'm, I'm supposed to be a serious reporter here. And I think I took it too far because right at the very end, I said, Cotter, you, you probably need to rush home. The, the bronze medal game is starting soon. And he just <laughs> oh looked at me and just shut his head. Uh, wow. And I thought... I took that too far. My Ouch. reporting integrity was out the window on that one. Uh, it's a fun rivalry, and sometimes you win them, sometimes you lose them, but it's a blast for both countries. Uh, listen, I want to get back to the 23 goals. That's where I started. So 23 goals this season already. You've tied your career high. Um, the plus minus is significantly better too, and I know it's only partway through the season. And I wonder, you know, when you look at your statistics this year and as much as the offensive production is there and there have been steps taken there, now, how much does that other side mean to you as well as you, you kind of continue to develop and round out your game? Yeah, I mean, it's it's for sure something that uh, Marty and I have talked about a lot. It's it's a big responsibility. I mean, you know, you want your, your top guys against theirs, but with that comes, you know, the other side of the puck too. I mean, you know, they're, you're playing against the best players every night. They're going to have the puck, you know, for most of the shift sometimes. And it's going to go both ways like that. But um, just trying to – put myself in a better position and kind of think a little bit more ahead. And, um, you know, we've watched a lot of video together, but it's for sure something that uh, I think I've taken a lot more seriously this year than you know I have in years past and stuff because, you know, it's a big part of the game. And, um, you know, Marty always says every play matters, and we've kind of been figuring that out a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned head coach uh, Marty St. Louis and um, obviously a Hockey Hall of Famer who – had to prove a lot of people wrong because of his size, uh, Cole, as you know, and now he's your coach. And and I'm wondering how special that is day to day. If you can give, give us a little insight on, on A, a guy that I'm sure you knew a lot about, and B, now that he's in your, your work life every day and how he's helped you. Yeah, it's still crazy coming to the rink every day, um, <clears throat> you know, and having that guy kind of be your teacher. Uh, there's a lot of things you can relate to, and you know, like, he's been through the same things, and by just harder things. So um, just having a guy like that around that you can always, you know, go to, um, you know, he always says he doesn't have to do this. He loves to do this. And um, I think we've kind of respected him for that. Um, we all know what he's achieved in his career. He doesn't uh, really have a reason to be here, but um, him coming to work every day and um, kind of just acting like a pro still. And um, it kind of drives us all to, to grow. And I think, you know, he's obviously learning along the um, 
you know, with the experience he has, you know, we got 100% trust in him. And um, he's obviously helped me, you know, a lot in his first year. And, um, you know, hopefully we can you know, continue to grow and have more success. Cole, is there something that you have come to learn about him that maybe really surprised you or you didn't know before you had the opportunity to be around him as, as much as you have here? Like, is, is anything surprised you? Uh, other than his quads being the size of a house, like, uh, yeah, there's that, there's that, like you, you heard about it, but it's, it's crazy. Um, I mean, you think he'd probably win a squad competition with our whole team. So, um, no, I mean, he, he's great. Like he, he can still play in my opinion. I think, um, you know, he's, he's getting involved in drills and practice sometimes. And it's, uh, it's really cool. Cause you know, he keeps the energy up. Um, it's always a blast. I think practices have been a lot more fun this year too. So, uh, it's obviously, you know, someone that you want to learn a lot from, but it's, it's also cool to see the passion that he has for this game. And, um, yeah, I don't think it'll ever die for him. Yeah. So I, I wonder when it comes to skill players that are still in their first few years and the balance between taking chances and making mistakes and playing carefree versus the responsibility at the other end. And I, I wonder how a player who played the way Marty did handles it when you go out on a limb and try something and maybe it doesn't work, maybe it bites at the other end. How does he handle you in those moments? And what, what's his messaging about taking chances and playing carefree versus buckling it down when it needs to be buckled down? Yeah, I think uh, he's, he's, we've actually talked about this a lot this, um, you know, through these past couple of weeks. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, he's, he's a coach that lets you play free, but, um, you know, in the right time of the game, um, you know, it's, it's better to play free when it's tied or you're up one or, sorry, you're down one, down two. Um, but these situations when we've been up goals or stuff like that, it's kind of doing the job, um, not somebody else's or not the one you think that's that you're supposed to do, but just doing the job for the team. And um, I think the the accountability part is something that uh, we've kind of been working at as a team and as a group and um, not only just Marty, but like holding each other accountable in those situations. Cause you know, we've been up and we've been down and um, games change pretty quickly. So we're kind of all learning how to, how to win games. It's not really all about um, just trying to win the game. It's how we win and, and learning from, from our mistakes and, kind of just the experiences that we go through. It's, it's pretty crazy because um, we've learned a lot so far. We're a young team, and um, it's just the, the kind of the accountability part in those times of games where um, you can win and lose so easily. Cole, you got an unbelievable shot. Uh, it's on display every game you play, and I'm wondering how much work you've put into that over the years, specifically when you were quite young. You know, I got three kids in, in youth hockey, and, and we've got a set up in the backyard, a shooting pad, et cetera, and, it's really up to them if they feel like doing it on days where they're not at the rink. But I'm wondering what that was like when you were that age. If you weren't at the rink, you know, how often were you out there because you wanted to working on your shot? Yeah, I was, I was pretty lucky. Unfortunately, growing up, my dad still runs a hockey rink today. But um, so growing up, like <clears throat> I'd earn my ice time by sweeping floors and stuff and, and cleaning <laughs> bathrooms, all that. So um, I was very lucky to kind of always have ice time, but, when I was at home, uh, my parents kind of changed the basement into this mini hockey rink. And um, so no matter if it was snowing outside or anything, you could always, you know, have that downstairs. Um, so my dad, he used to build an ice rink in our backyard until he kind of got that job. And then from there, we've just been fortunate to have ice time um, all the way growing up, me and my brother. But uh, for my, my dad kind of just didn't really teach me much. He just told me to do – there's like these wrist curler things that it's like a wooden dowel or whatever attached to a lace and the like two and a half pound plate and he'd make me do 10 before bed every night. And, um, I thought it was awful too. And at the time, but, um, I guess, yeah, it's really just all he said. He just said, get it off your stick as fast as you can. And, um, you know, kind of just surprise him and, and do wrist curls. So I think the rest of it to kind of figure it out myself, kind of, put myself in a better like spot to score. But for him, he, he kind of taught me a lot of just like trying to get it on and off your stick. And as fast as um, obviously, you know, having strong forearms kind of helps too in those situations. I'm interested in this transaction of cleaning for ice time. So give me the specifics <laughs> there. What, what was the deal and what were your duties? How often, what'd you have to do? Yeah. I mean, I think every day in the summer, my mom would, 
was teaching summer school, so we didn't obviously want to go there. Um, and so we just go to work with my dad every day. And, uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be every day, but you know, most of the days in the morning after you know practice from the night before, we'd sweep the locker rooms, my brother and I, and um, clean the bathrooms, kind of scrub the floors, all that stuff that uh, you know we just wanted to do to to get on the ice. And um, he was good about it. He never come out there with us. Um, it was just, he just kind of let us be free out there. And, um, looking back on that, I kind of wonder why he, he wasn't out there kind of running us through drills, but I think that's how my brother and I kind of coached ourselves and we kind of found a love for trying to find you know, different ways to do things. And, mm-hmm. um, like, cause he was our coach growing up. So it was kind of our time to get away without him out there, right. and, um, from yelling at us. And <laughs> so, but no, it was, it's fun. I think uh, he was good. I think we're really lucky, obviously, to have all that ice time, but uh, we for sure had to earn it. <laughs> Sounds like yeah. you knew when to lean India and, and when to <laughs> give you your space, which is, hey, man, that's that's a great hockey dad right there. I want to ask you about uh, Brendan Gallagher. How would you describe your relationship with, <laughs> with Brendan Gallagher? Like, are we talking uncle? Are we talking oh. bratty brother? Are we talking annoying cousin? <clears throat> like what are, what is he to you? What are you to him? Uh, annoying older brother for sure. Um, I don't know. I think, uh, he was one of the first people I saw from the organization when I got drafted. And ever since then, we've kind of, you know, built a relationship and, um, every day at the rank, we're always just seeing who can do something better, faster, it's it makes no sense what we do, but um, I mean, like, give he's, me an example. He's, like what? Like little dumb like competitions? Like what are you talking yeah. about? Like no, like there was one time where like it wasn't even me involved. It was him and Paul Byron. It was how fast they could. He uses like a like the, for his knob. It's like uh, that tape stuff, or like the one you slide on, and then yeah. Galley tapes his, and they had to tape their whole blade and knob faster and. Galley lost that one. He won't admit it, but um, like literally, he just he just wanted to tape a stick. He had to cut a stick, tape it as fast as he could, and just tried to prove to everybody that he was the fastest at it. What's the point? Um, there's no point. It's just for him to. And then, and then just fantasy football. He's he started at like eleven and zero. So you know, there's there's not much you can. Like everybody hates it because he's he's actually pretty good at it, but. Um, if there's any, like, if there's any competition, whether it's in the gym doing something stupid, like we're always, and now like, you know, he's, he's, um, he's obviously not playing. So there's literally like crosswords, how fast we can do those before, before practice or something. So he's still, he's never out of it. So, so I assume that Brendan won your, your, uh, dressing room fantasy football title, or was he upset in the playoffs by a teammate? Uh, he's, I think he's still in it. Um, it's him versus... Or I know Susie won. Oh, okay, so yeah, Susie beat uh, Galley. Oh yeah, because it would end um, with the regular season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was obviously some controversy with that game ending early, and I think right. a couple of them had guys in there that. Uh, so Galley's he's always got a reason to complain. Right. So right, right. Yeah, just right. ask him. He'll so, tell you. So he's your he's Brady older brother. What we may have him on the pod sometime, and I'll ask him the same question. <laughs> what do you think his answer will be about what he look, views you as? Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, probably just the same, like annoying younger brother. That's <laughs> just always in his business. I was always trying to get him uncomfortable, get him out of his comfort zone stuff like that. So, uh, it's all, it's all good fun, but, uh, both very competitive and, um, but we're always having a good time. Great. Well, I mean, we took too much of your time. I was going to ask you about your chemistry with Nick Suzuki, but we'll do that. We'll do that another time because I think that uh, uh, what we see is is a chemistry that's going to keep you two together for a long time. It's got to be, you know, NHL players go through a lot of different line mates usually in the first couple of years of their career. It must be crazy for you to be able to just know what's going on there every time you come to the rink. No, yeah, it's it's uh, it's great. I think. Uh... Off the ice, on the ice, you know, we're, we're getting along, hanging out. And I think that goes a long way just to see, you know, the rest of the team, how close we are and yeah. um, just kind of create that bond in the room of a tight group and stuff like that. So uh, he's obviously a special player, but um, it's kind of nice going to the rink every day with, you know, a close friend like that. And 
um, just trying to work things out together and, and how to grow and uh, kind of find more ways to win. Yeah, Listen, I, snuck, uh, I snuck it in anyway, see? Yeah, yeah, you got to that was, that was sneaky, Pierre. Well, we've taken up too much of your time, so here's another question. <laughs> now, we do have our signature question for you, so you got to stick around for that. Uh, the, the name of the podcast is Got Your Back. We love those stories that people have about a time in their life where someone came through for them or had their back. So when we fire that idea at Cole Caulfield, what story pops into your head? Uh, yeah, first couple times driving to the practice rink in Montreal, um, still had no idea where I was going and stuff and new to the area phone service was still American and lost service going through this tunnel and, um, just couldn't find my way out of it. And, uh, you know, I couldn't read the road signs. And so I'm trying to call Nick. It's like first week when I got called up, I'm like, I'm going to miss this meeting. I'm like, it's, it's nine o'clock. Like I left it. Obviously, I left like an hour before I needed to and stuff, and I was really freaking out. Like I couldn't find a way onto the to this bridge that we have to get over, and um, so he ended up kind of holding the meeting back a little bit and um, talking to the coach just so I could get there on time. Wow. And he, he kind of talked me, talked me through how to how wow. to get out of my you know, wherever I couldn't get out of. So um, now it's just the type of person he is. He's just looking out for us and. Um, you know, that's, that's why he's our captain. He's our leader. Um, he's always trying to, to push guys to go in the right direction and he's always got everybody's back. So, um, obviously that was a huge, uh, huge thing for me not to be late to a meeting, but, um, he had, uh, all- he had the power to delay a meeting to have your back and probably saved you a fine or something like that too. Like that, that would have been for a sure. tough one. Hey, just there. And that'd have been a bad Oh yeah. Beat. For his first week after I got called up, it was a pretty scary moment for me. But, uh, it was, yeah, I think that's probably another kind of funny moment Nick and I can always look back on. Great stuff. Well, Cole, thanks so much for taking the time to join us. And uh, best of luck the rest of the way this season. We look forward to chatting with you again. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Cole. All right, that's going to wrap up the podcast, folks. Big thanks once again to Cole Caulfield for taking some time to join us. Arpen Basu as well, uh, one of the great national writers from The Athletic. Uh, appreciate his contributions today, and uh, thanks, Pierre. Appreciate it, my friend. And, of course, big thanks to our sponsors, Cross Country Canada Supplies and Rentals, Pro Hockey Life, and Liberty Smart Security as well. Two podcasts this week. We'll see what we can get done for you next week. We're having a blast here on Got Your Back, LeBron and Rashog. Thanks for your downloads. Thank you for your subscriptions. We appreciate you hopping on the ride with us. If you get a chance, leave us a review over on iTunes. We'd love to hear what you think of the guests, the interviews, Pierre's wardrobe, my awards, whatever. Uh, We're open to all feedback here on Got Your Back. We'll talk real soon, folks. Have yourselves a fantastic Friday and a great weekend.